Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Cosmopolitan's All The Way With. I'm Paisley Gilmore. And I'm Laura Capon. And this week we'll be joined by Lola Jean, who is a squirting expert. The uh, the disbelief in your voice. <laughs> I just dis- don't know. I just don't know if that's like a LinkedIn acceptable <laughs> job title. You know, um, she's a world champion. There's championships. Oh yeah, baby. Well, I guess we'll find out. I can actually. I put some questions on my Instagram for people for Lola. If they had mm. any squirting questions. And then picture this, last night was watching that um, you showed Des, you know, with um, David Tennant. Oh, is it like a serial killer thing? Yeah, really good. I was watching that with my mum. And then she was watching my Instagram, which really annoys me anyway. Like, why are you watching my Instagram while I'm sitting here? It was very cringe. (laughs) And then (laughs) she was like, what's squirting? No. (laughs) And then you think absolutely not and I was just like not now look we're trying to watch Des like this is a good pitch she's like well no but what is it and I just just shut her down Jan dear sweet Jan don't ruin her by telling her about squirting you're not gonna you're not gonna tell her are you no I'm not gonna especially not now like a day later as if it's just been on my mind the entire time does she listen to the podcast by the way no absolutely not don't let her no she she mustn't I feel like this podcast has made me a lot more, this podcast and mainly you, Paisley, has made me much more open to discussing like sex and stuff with my friends, but I just haven't got to that. And I just don't know if I want to get to that point with my parents. I mean, honestly, if Jan never asked me, I'd be thrilled. It's like my brother, (laughs) we've spoken about him on the podcast before, he's got a girlfriend. Oh, heaven, heaven knows how that happened. (laughs) Um, but when she comes round, my mum keeps like knocking on the door of their what? like his bedroom. I'm like, stop it, Jan. What's she knocking for? Just like, do they want a, like a tea? Oh my god, that's so cute. <laughs> She's like Pam and Gavin and Stacey. So I feel like um, I don't know how to say it to them. Just being like, they're probably having sex in there, Jan. You don't um, want to go in. She knows that, doesn't she? It's like um, curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> I don't know if it is actually it's, like that. Uh, is it like that? <laughs> <laughs> She's just trying to give him a cup of tea. Um, so have you found from talking to people though, what do you think are the pluses of being more open with your parents about your sex life? Um have a laugh, bonding. Yeah. It normalizes it just makes talking about all things easier. Because I know people that still go on like dates now, like obviously like internet dates that's how we all like meet through apps internet dates but they wouldn't tell their parents if they live at home where they're going oh because yeah because there's just that weird 
which I guess is just nice to be a bit open, isn't it? Especially when you don't have anything to hide. I just hope when I'm watching part two of Des, I don't have to tell her about Lola. Oh, no. Mm, absolutely not. <laughs> Poor Jan. All right. We're joined today by Lola Jean, a sex educator, pro-dom and squirting world record holder. Hello. What an Hello. intro. I know, right? You did say it was short and sweet. <laughs> Straight what to the point. What else do you need to say? I know, right? <laughs> um, what uh, is a, a squirting world record? Uh, it's something that I set and made up because it didn't exist before <laughs> I made it. Um, but there, so there was a world record for distance, um, like distance of squirt, but there wasn't one for volume. And so the, what um, I, that's the amount I'm guessing. Yes, exactly. Okay. And what I ended up doing, and you know, it's a world record is because I also broke science in that process. And I squirted more than science that was humanly capable. What? Wow. So you produced more or you went, it went further than science predicted? Um, I produced more. Yeah. So it was within, I still did it by Guinness standard. So it was in a one minute period using only the assistance of one's person. So meaning my hand, no partners, no toys. Uh, and I also did it without orgasming and without penetrating myself. Oh, Ooh. and do you, was it like in milliliters? Oh. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, I did not do it by American standards. I did it by science standards. So it was 1,250 milliliters. So would that be a small glass of wine? No, that's like... Uh, that's more. Like it, that's I'm, more. Um, that's quite what? a lot. I'm thinking, you know, like um, if you have orange juice, that's like... <laughs> 250. Two, yeah, 250 mils. Wow, that is like about yeah. four, four glasses of orange juice. Every time you drink some sort of like liquid or you buy like a bottle of wine, you're going to look at the milliliters now and you'll be like, oh shit. <laughs> More squirts. That. I feel like you deserve a round of applause for that. <laughs> oh, thank Dude. you. Um, I have so many more questions about that, even though it's not meant to be the main point. But like, um, you say you did it in a minute. Is that from zero to squirt? Uh, no. So actually I like, I did it in 25 seconds, but it was within a one minute period. So actually what happened was I thought they were going to like count down and then I start, but they went one, two, three, and then they went to four. So I'm like, Oh, I have to go now. Um, so then I just started until I, I finished. Um, cause I can squirt in about like a couple seconds. And if I'm prepared for it, I can like mentally do so and like use my muscles then so it was about 25 seconds that I expelled all of that wow so I just need to back up so you couldn't do this alone they had to actually be like the Guinness world record people were there so Guinness wasn't there because they're a family organization. Uh, and <laughs> it's not a family record. <laughs> no. And people have bought this, brought this up too, because I think the founder of Guinness, is his, their last name is McSquirter. No, no. <laughs> that can't be true. Yeah. I, only like, I, I, I guess it's because it's on your side of the pond, but like the Brits are the only ones that bring that up to me. And I didn't know that beforehand, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> it makes the irony more delicious. Um but I had to basically, Guinness rejected it because they're a family organization. So after doing some research, because sex records exist, you just have to have enough journalists and witnesses. So I had a documentary crew and about 300 uh, bystanders. Oh, my oh goodness. Oh, my God. How, how, did, how mm, was the squirt collected so that then you could measure the volume? 
Yeah, so I made it into a whole event because I don't do things small. So mm-hmm. I had um, one of my favorite drag queens was like the referee master of ceremonies. <laughs> uh, it was great. Um, and yeah, we had like a this like kind of rubbery plastic tub similar to what you'd probably like bathe a dog in. Mm-hmm. And I squirted into that and then we poured that into a funnel which went into the measuring device. And we actually ended up needing two measuring devices because one of them, um, it was only up to a liter. Oh my goodness, that is Mm -hmm. very, very impressive. (laughs) <laughs> it really is. You, you almost rendered speechless there that that never happens to pay. Um, no, 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 never, never, never happens to me. Because, like, I obviously write and think a lot about squirting, but whenever I've encountered it, people have said that it needs to happen from penetration. So I'm still thinking about the fact you said you weren't allowed to penetrate yourself in order to do it, and that's what I'm fixated on. Yeah, and, I mean, that's part of the reason that I, I did it. It was, like, I mean, it was partially because I'm competitive, but it was also to make this statement that there's more to squirting than that we think there is. And there's a whole conversation about it that we're not having. And that's really why I started like mainly becoming a sex educator was that I didn't see myself represented. I didn't, there was like a a whole narrative that didn't exist. And I felt very erased in squirting and squirting was like about the male perspective, which makes no sense because it has nothing to do with them. Like how did you get into sex educationing then? Um, Could you tell us kind of your professional story from the beginning yeah so um I mean I've always been like a sexual being and curious about sex I think most people that find themselves in this career they're one of the people that you know people always ask them questions or I was always known about my stories like the second time I ever had penetrative sex was a threesome with two guys uh so I I came out of the gate strong uh but it wasn't until I guess my, my mid twenties, I was in, I had quit my job in advertising cause I was like low key depressed and I was waitressing. And at the same time I was going through what I called my second sexual revolution, uh, which was just where I'm exploring myself sexually. But this one was arguably better because it was more about my own pleasure than just doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had gotten fired from my waitressing job while I was exploring my sexuality and I was trying to find a job I didn't hate. So I That's had gone, hard. yeah, <laughs> I went to, uh, I'd gone to two sex parties at that point, uh, cried and left both of them, had a horrible time. And I was trying to figure that out. So I was like, okay, I don't want to go back to it, but I could work there. So I had the humbling job of uh, picking up used condoms at the end of the night. And I was also a playroom monitor. So making sure no funny business went on, which at the time, like you should have someone a bit more trained in that than I was at the time to have that like important of a job. Mm. But, you know, I learned a lot of things in in retrospect in that type of a sense. But I, when I did that and I was like, oh, maybe there's more jobs in this than I thought. So really at the same time, I started getting into pro-doming. I started getting into fetish wrestling kind of backwards. And then I was assisting my mentor, Kenneth Play, who did a lot of work on squirting and did a lot of it from like the penis haver's perspective. And I didn't have an intention to be a sex educator. I was like, oh, I can use my advertising and marketing skills and help you and work that way. Like I didn't want to be the person that was like on the stage. And I realized from doing that both 
how much my perspective was needed, how things weren't represented, how I didn't see myself represented. I didn't, I, things felt very leading and not open for people. And then I realized how much more I knew than I thought I did. Like when I would go to other presenters and people would teaching about things, I would be like, oh, I already know that, or that's not necessarily true, mm -hmm. um, or I can disprove that. So I, I went into it that way. And I remember telling my therapist, I was like, this is either the like next chapter of the rest of my life or it's a really fucking fun detour. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being the next chapter. So it wasn't, it wasn't just a detour, but I was, you know, trying this out. I didn't have any intention of like going to do this. Um, it just, it really just happened. And a lot of things were that people aren't seeing things this way. There's a need for it. How can I help make this happen? And using a lot of my skills from, advertising and user experience that like I was already questioning those things anyway from my job um and now it's like I mean now it's like duh of course this is my job I'm able to utilize all my skills and have a lot of these difficult conversations but really that's what my job is at the end of the day now it's not sex educator it's like difficult conversation <laughs> haver and facilitator <laughs> sounds really fun <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> so do you remember the first time um you squirted was it um on purpose or by accident by accident it's usually always by accident for everyone and, and a lot of people the first time you squirt you'll have no idea unless someone alerts you so mm. the first time I may have squirted but I'm not sure was when I was in my early 20s and I think that was my first orgasm. And I remember noting to my partner that like, I remember he was like, did you come? And I was like, did you not feel it? Because I remember noting of how wet it was, but I don't really know. I just thinking mm -hmm. back to it now, I'm like, maybe that's what it was. Cause I had no idea. Um, but the first time I knew for a fact that I squirted was in the middle of like a, a lot of, it was really maybe a couple of months before I got fired from that waitressing job. But I was with a person who I call Snackwell. And he was the first person who I feel like accepted me for my like sexual and slutty side and like respected me as a human, which is sad. Um, yeah. But he was a, he was a really important person in my sexual trajectory. And I remember when he was going down on me, which he was very good at. Uh, and he was like, oh, you squirted. Do you do that? And I remember being like, I guess so. <laughs> and, you know, whatever he did or he took note of that. And also his response was great. He didn't like there wasn't any shaming or shock or surprise. It was just a matter of fact, oh, you do that. Is that a thing you do? And him gauging to see if I were like, please don't do that anymore, or whatever my reaction. Like, I don't know if he intended to do that, but his reaction was so important and imperative. And after that, we, we had had sex for the first time, and I had just, like, destroyed the bed. There was no question about it. And then he was like, well, congratulations. You are definitely a squirter. Um, for reasons unrelated to the squirting, he broke it off with me like the day after we had sex, which was heartbreaking, but also like not necessary, but like I'm glad he gave me that. Like you have all these things you wanted with a person, but now I'm taking away the person. Uh, so I was left to figure out that my body just did this thing. I didn't know it could do. The person I was doing it with is no longer available to me. So I went and I figured that out on my own because I was also, I mean, I've always been kind of bratty, but I'm just like, 
I don't need anyone else to do this thing right now. I need to figure it out myself. So what exactly is squirting? So we've got some questions further down from um, some of our podcast listeners. And a lot of people seem to just think it's pee. Yeah, so squirt, it's important to note that squirting is heavily under-researched and a lot of the like research air quotes that there is out there are studies of like 12 people, which aren't studies. <laughs> and I also think that squirting in particular is really hard to study because, okay, have the people that you're studying, have they squirted before? Are you studying people that squirt? Are you trying to understand if people squirt? Because if you put me in a mm-hmm. study... 10 years ago, I'm not squirting. But if you put me in there now, we know I'm going to kill it. So <laughs> it's <will> smash it. <laughs> exactly. So it's a, it's a hard thing to study first off. And there's just not many studies on it. And of, you know, vulva sexuality in general and sex in general, there, it's also heavily under-researched. It's heavily underfunded because there aren't boner pills to, and <laughs> big pharma to fund those things. So That's with the asterisk that there isn't that much that we can clearly say about it. So a lot of what I take is from my own bodily experience and corroborating that with the science that's available. It's pulling from two different scientists that I have learned from or worked with. And then also a lot of the anecdotal experience from people in my classes and people I teach. So there's a lot of that that info. That being said, of what squirt is, it's fluid that ejects not ejects. It's fluid that comes out of the body. It doesn't have to eject. I think because of porn, people think it has to eject, but most of the time it just falls out. And it can be, you know, just a couple spurts. It can be a liter, like whatever it is, it all counts as squirt. It doesn't have to be a certain amount. It doesn't have to eject. Uh, The makeups of it vary from person to person. Uh, There are components within squirt that are similar to that of urine. So there is urea, there's creatinine, both are which are found in urine, but it's not urine because we call it squirt. Otherwise we wouldn't call it that. We would just call it pee during sex, but we don't, <laughs> we call it squirt. So it's not the same thing. And I can also anecdotally tell you, I mean, I've squirted and peed in two different cups. I've had a submissive drink, my squirt and my pee consecutively. I felt the difference when I had to move it out of my body. Cause I also, I mean, I pee on people, uh, within like my pro doming career. So like, I'm good at that. I'm good at squirting. And I can tell you the differences of the two and I can do so most of the time on command. But I mean, I think for most people, especially peeing like peeing in public is hard when you have to do so when you're camping and then Mm -hmm. peeing on a person is even harder I've seen so many people get stage fright from that so it's not it's not a thing (laughs) our body wants to do but my main argument with the pee thing is just like why do you care why do you care so much about what's coming out of my body especially if you're not the recipient of it if you're the recipient of it and you want to question it I'm probably just not gonna fuck you but (laughs) At the end of the day, squirting is just a thing my body does. I think it's pretty overrated, and th- like that's my stance on it right now. But it's just mm. a thing my body does, and I don't want you to fetishize it. I don't care mm. if you love it. I really don't. I don't want you to hate it, but I want you to respect the thing my body does because – you know, sometimes I have control over it, but like I, it, it, I don't want it to rule me at the end of the day. So if you're going to question or if you really need to know that it, if it's pee or not, why do you care is my main concern. It's like some, some bodily fluids are in the okay category and some aren't and people like 
It's like how some people eat some animals and not others. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They've got this weird stigma attached to pee, but, you know, cervical fluid, fine. Um, doesn't make any yeah, sense, does it? Exactly. And um, So does it come from the urethra then? Or where does it come out of? So there's, there's different beliefs in this. Mainly is that it, some say it comes from the urethra coming from the bladder. Others say it comes from... Uh, the periurethral glands, uh, which mm. are glands surrounding the urethral tissue, which, you know, the, if you look at the, in the vagina, like a lot of these things are very close together. So it would also just make sense. Um, but those skeins glands that the periurethral glands um, of, or near the erectile tissue surrounding the urethra, those will drain into the urethra if they're not emptied. So that's why a lot of people feel like during sex they're like, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm squirting or I have to pee and then maybe afterwards they go pee and it's a lot and they're like well it was definitely that it's going to drain in there anyway so if you don't empty it it will find a way to get out um Mm -hmm. but it's my belief that it's coming from both the the periurethral glands and the urethra for one is that they found PSA which is prostate specific antigen within squirt and we know that that comes from uh, the the periurethral glands. So it's definitely coming from there. However, there is no way that that much fluid can come out of those glands alone. So I think it's coming from both of those places. For some people, maybe it's just the periurethral gland, but I believe it's both of those. However, we can't prove that scientifically. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, okay. And how does it happen? Because as you said at the beginning, like you don't necessarily have to orgasm to squirt. So like how does it happen and do we know why the body does it? So, I mean, I call it sexual applause. Uh, why? <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, you're doing a good job. It doesn't mean you have the standing ovation. Maybe you do too, but the applause can occur regardless of a finale or not. <laughs> and of 
What was the second question was, oh, why does it occur? So the, I mean, I think a better question is of the periurethral glands, like why do those exist or why does erectile tissue exist? And there's this erectile tissue surrounding the urethra to protect it. Squirt exists to protect. So the majority of the lubrication um, responsible for lubricating the vagina is located towards the bottom of the vagina from the Bartholin's glands. And the purpose of lubricating the vagina is that so it's not painful. It's not be, mm-hmm. The purpose isn't to let you know they're turned on. It's not the purpose. The purpose is like, that's why you'll hear if people are raped and they're like, oh, but they were wet. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because their body's like, this is going to hurt. Uh, so that's the point of like natural vaginal lubricant. And it doesn't mean that it's enough to make it not hurt. Um, but that's the purpose of it. So the purpose of squirt would be to protect the area surrounding the urethra and to protect the urethra and to prevent pain from happening. So that would be like the, the technical function. Uh, but of how it happens, so again, there's a couple of different schools of thought, but that, that area in particular, there's a lot of special things that are happening. And they are related to the G-spot, but the G-spot doesn't need to be stimulated manually, so there doesn't need to be penetration in order for it to be stimulated. So right in that area of where the G-spot is, and P.S., the G-spot is part of the clitoris. So when people say they have a vaginal orgasm, unless you're talking about the cervix, they're having a clitoral orgasm. It's just occurring in a different part mm-hmm. of the clitoris. So the G-spot is like, the if, you, if you're aware of the internal structure of the clitoris, it's that middle of the wishbone part. So that's like a very fun part where you can access all these different points of the clitoris, Uh, from the bulbs to the legs to a bit of the shaft. And that's also where a lot of that erectile tissue surrounding the urethra lives. So you're getting a lot of bang for your buck in that (laughs) area. Now, because of that too, that area can be really, really sensitive. So just kind of like the tip of someone's clitoris, not everyone likes it touched directly. And a lot of people, like 75% of people with vulvas experience vaginal pain during penetration. Mm. So using your muscle groups using your pelvic floor area, which controls everything. It controls your pee, it controls defecation, it controls orgasm. Uh, It's so, so important. So using those muscle groups and not just squeezing, not just kegels, it's about lengthening. It's about how healthy and exercise and coordinated your pelvic floor is. You can stimulate things that way. And so that way you can be able to do a thing you like, like external clitoral stimulation um, for that to occur. Ah, I see. So while some people, um, because you know how you were saying people are obsessed with it, like um, especially important things, and they seem to think that if they've made you squirt, they've given you the best sex ever, but it's not the same as um, a male ejaculating. Like you don't feel anything. I mean, so the way I like to describe how it feels, and it's going to be different from person to person. I think a lot of people, it's like a letdown. For me and for a lot of people, it feels like a release. So if you felt like when you have a sneeze that just seems to be escaping you and you finally sneeze or you have this itch in a spot you can't reach and then someone finally itches it, it feels like that Um, sometimes. Other times it can feel like, you know, when you like uh, in the same time where you can have an orgasm that just feels like a sneeze, but not a good sneeze. So it can be different from person to person. For some people, it can even be painful. But for a lot of people, especially like myself as someone who very much um, like sexualizes or has a kink within control, like that release can feel really good as well too. 
it's different than an orgasm. It can happen with an orgasm, similar to someone with a penis where there's, you know, a prostate versus a penile orgasm, or there's both of those together. They're both different. Like I compare it to like American football where there's like, there's field goals and there's touchdowns. They're all points (laughs) at the end of the day. One of them's easier to get than the other. You can you can also win the game with field goals, but they're all points. Okay. So can anyone with a vagina squirt? So this is something again you're never going to be able to prove because all you need is one person not to to not be able to do it, but it is my belief that everyone can if they have a coordinated pelvic floor and relationship with their vulva. So a lot of times we're able to find that people who have given birth or had a child like walk out of them, they're able to do this later (laughs) and not, and not because like, oh, their pelvic floor is weak. No, because they were forced to have a relationship with their vagina, with their pelvic floor, because it just changed. So they have to now have a relationship if they don't want to pee while they laugh. Uh, So they're, and they're able to do that later in their life. And I was able to learn this in my mid twenties. I've been able to teach this to people. There's been people who be like, I started doing it when I was 60. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. My body could always do this. So it is definitely a learned thing and, and like shocking, right? We keep teaching it that it's a skill that you have to do with a partner, but someone can just, the person who's doing the squirting has just as big of a role, if not the most important role in it. And the role is more than just relaxing. It's not like you're going to relax and then you squirt. Um, but there's a lot of this body awareness and I think a fear of not knowing what our body's going to do, if it's going to do something embarrassing or if it's going to do something cool, and especially when you're with another person and having that fear. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that everyone can. I've been able to teach people to do so. I heed the warning of like, be careful what you wish for. It's a lot mm-hmm. of responsibility. Also, <laughs> like masturbation's never going to be the same because it's going to get wet. <laughs> well, obviously you just talked about like that. And I guess that's a misconception about squirting that it's kind of like the other person made you do it, which I guess is an issue with how we view orgasm as well in partnered sex. But are there any other kind of misconceptions or myths about squirting that you're working to kind of take down? I mean, the main the, the main ones I always get are the is it pee and can everyone do it, which is just like stop asking those questions because when people ask can everyone do it, I think they're trying to ask if they're broken. And oh, the other man. one, I think the other thing I want to like breakdown is when the people are like, I can make everyone do it. I'm that person. I'm so good at it. Mm. And when people say that, what that makes me think of is, oh, you're doing the same thing to every person. You must be a <laughs> shitty lover. That's so bad. <laughs> and also it makes me think that they're going to be hell bent on, because like the thing is, is that I'm, I'm a machine. I'm, I'm the Usain Bolt of squirting and <laughs> my body, like I do performances of this at venues and things like that. And my body works like I would say 90, 95% of the time, but sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes I haven't prepared like it's a performance and it's my body, you know, it's, it's going to do what it wants to do sometimes. And it's hard when like my body squirts most of the time and my partner will be like, are you okay? Did you get pleasure? because I didn't squirt. And it's like, it just doesn't want to do it today. Um, it's yeah. fine, but there's that pressure now. So similar to like people with penises think they're the only ones with performance anxiety. It's almost mm-hmm. like I have this pressure to perform. Cause I can also there, I can make myself squirt. I can put in concerted effort where I give myself a headache and do it. It can happen easily. Someone, I could be way more passive with someone doing that to me. Um, but it's really that someone 
can assist in the process. So like you can have a very big role in someone squirting, but you can't do that without them. And it's mm-hmm. not all about you. And I mean, it's like thinking about, I don't go around like sucking dicks and be like, I did that to you. I was so great. All these, like, I feel like I helped with that pro I've been doing this new move with my partner that I call the trifecta and, or mm-hmm. the quadruple. Cause of just, I'm stimulating the external prostate, the, the balls, the shaft, and then sometimes putting my mouth on his penis. And I'm intrigued, like, that's like some of the most pleasure he's ever felt. But for me, it's just cool to see him and see his body experience that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm reacting to his body. I'm not making things happen. I'm just like, oh, your legs are shaking more than they usually do. That's <laughs> kind of cool. Let's keep doing this. I wonder if I did this thing. But I'm never taking like that much credit for what his body's doing. I'm just, there, I'm there to facilitate it. think about this a lot, actually. I went um, I went on a few dates with a girl and she said she, um, it was like known amongst her friendship group as a squirter. And she said when she was having sex with men and people with penises, like they were all so obsessed with it that like they'd be, like they'd feel emasculated if they didn't make her squirt and they'd take it. And then that would obviously put pressure on her and make her feel anxious and shit. And that that just made me think of what you were saying and how, like, it stops being about you then, doesn't it? And about someone else. And that just seems wrong and backwards. Oh, I feel for that person so much and, like, relate to them. And it it is so true where, like, so many things where I feel like if I, when I, if I have sex with women, like, they don't, they don't care as much. They're like, do you Mm want to do that? Is that, like, I have to warn people because I'm also trying to figure out of, like, are you a person who's going to fetishize or shame me because I don't want to fuck you then? And mm. also warning you because it can be a surprise. <laughs> I have a very high volume. And as, as my current partner put it, you're never quite ready. <laughs> um, and so you run squirting classes. Um, do you want to tell us a bit what they entail? Yes. And it's actually, I'll, I mean, I'll send it to both of you when it's done. But this is an exciting time because probably in the next couple of weeks, I'll be releasing um, the squirting classes online. Um, so for everyone to take, but how this started was it was, I think someone, people wanted me to teach a squirting class and I was like, but it's so, if you want to do solo squirting, it's so linked to masturbation. So it can't, it's not a how to squirt class. It's a, it's a masturbation class. And then here's a couple things explore on your own. Most people aren't going to like, especially the in-person classes, they're not going to leave knowing how to squirt. Some people do, but it's everyone's body's different. There isn't one secret to squirting. It's more like, here's how your body works. Do the thing you like. Maybe it works for you. Here's information. And a lot of people find success with that one week, one month, one year, a couple times, a few years later. Um, but what it is, is it's teaching about the different science of it, the different worries, and also equipping people for partnered sex or partner play of one certain certain things that might happen so like if this person says this thing here's what you can retort to them with that I'm trying to equip people in that way um, mm. but a lot of it's education on the pelvic floor and the pelvic floor coordination and then using that with different moves that one might find pleasurable and this isn't focused on internal g-spot simulation because sometimes when something's penetrating you it's actually harder to squirt because your muscles can't go to their full extension of what they need to do so Mm. there's a lot of different moves in showing people and focusing on more about the engorgement and arousal than like the move because the more aroused and engorged you are the more fluid that's building up 
And also the more arousing and gorgeous you are, you're more <laughs> turned on, you're more in that state. We know that the clitoris changes um, and it, it changes in its size, its shape, its length uh, when we're aroused. So it's it's really like a glorified masturbation class with just more of the focus on the squirting and really just giving people that permission. But really because I feel like all of the material out there on squirting has to do with partner play and toys, which doesn't teach people the real mechanics of it mm. in that way. So the the online series, it has the different portions of, you know, what is this thing? What are the myths and concerns? Uh, what is What are toys or things you can use to help, like... Uh, like puppy pads and different blankets that absorb liquid, things that can help your mind. And then going over anatomy in terms of the pelvic floor, the vagus nerve, the clitoris, the skein's glands, all these different parts, and then involving that with demonstration. So actually, I hired an animator in the UK to help me with, she made a, a video of a cat masturbating. She animated <laughs> that, which I just wanted for so long. And <laughs> To be able to show the different parts that you can't see, of like here's what is happening with the clitoris when you do this. Here are different movements. And a lot of them are similar to what I would teach in a masturbation class, but it's just showing more of that kind of moving along of here's the different things you can do. Notice at your different levels of arousal of how things feel differently um, and then moving towards that engorgement state to then Maybe you'll squirt. Maybe you won't. Maybe it happens now. Maybe it happens later. Maybe you hate it. I can't wait to watch that pussy wanking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you kind of touched on this briefly, but like I think a lot of, well, we've had a lot of questions from listeners and readers of Cosmo. And I guess a lot of people kind of feel a bit ashamed and embarrassed if they do squirt. So do you have any advice for them on how to kind of overcome that? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the first thing is figuring out where that shame and embarrassment comes from, if it's internal or external. Um, external is a bit harder because it's that's just different people's reactions that they're projecting onto you. And it's important mm-hmm. to remember that if someone comes to you and says like, I think that's gross. I think that's weird. That's, they are projecting that onto you. So that's an important thing to know to say, well, it sounds like you have a bad relationship with squirting. Maybe that's something you should work on. <laughs> it's a you um, problem, not a me problem. <laughs> exactly. And so that's what, when it comes to external. But if it's internal, figuring out where that comes from. Maybe um, I was reading somewhere that someone, like they, when they were younger, they used to pee during sex. Um, like accidentally. Mm. So they associate it with that and there's an internal shame. But figuring out where that comes from, if it's other people that are projecting on it, equip yourself. If they're like, well, I think it's pee. It's like, well, then why, like if you, if it was, would you care? Or why do you care if it is? Why, like, do you want me to question everything that comes out of your body? And once you can find that, like take a, away that internalized shame and if you're okay with it with yourself then everything else that comes towards you you can just see as a projection so that's Mm -hmm. why I find like it eliminates a lot of partners for me but if there's people that either fetishize or shame my squirt I'm not sleeping with them I'm going to tell them ahead of time this is a thing that happens and I gauge their reaction if they fetishize it too much I don't want to deal with that I've done it before where and then I feel you know pressure to perform I feel and also it's not my orgasm so I, I want someone who views it as like, it's a thing my body does and they're not disgusted by it. 
And that's really what it should be. A lot of these are things that our body does, and we should just be trying to facilitate our person's experience. So if you take that internally and view that as yourself, you should find someone who wants to facilitate your best experience, whatever it is that day, and not someone who wants to give you multiple orgasms and penetrate you in all these different ways and whatever it is. Like We can want to experience things, but we... Like that person, what they want to do is a part of that. So if I, if I want to, you know, like double penetrate my partner and like all these different things, like they have to want that too. I can't just want to do that for them. They also, they're also a part of that. So thinking again, if you have, if you take, get away from that internalized shame, then you can find someone who just wants you to have your best experience, whatever that is. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, Lola, if people want to find you, um, I know you're saying about your classes, how can they find you? Yeah, so um, firstly, I usually I come back to the UK every couple months. I don't know when that's going to be within COVID, um, but I like to come over there and, and teach and do in-person classes. But you can go to lolajean.com and find all of the many different things that I do from there. I've been turning a lot of things into online classes. Um, there's some confident and consent classes coming up. There is a confidence building fake university that should be coming up next year too. But everything is located at lolajean.com. And then for all the different people I work with, places I go, travel, you can find all that from there. Awesome. And Instagram? Yeah. So lolajean.com with a D-O-T spelled out. Same thing for Twitter. I'm not as good at the Twitters, but I'm trying. (laughs) Okay, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you. I feel so empowered now. Thank you, Lola. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't wait for both of you to watch the video and, and tell me what your experiences are like after. We're yeah, very send excited. Send it, send it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Bye. Bye. Um, you know, all I could think of a lot of that time was the um, turtle and Finding Nemo because he's called Squirt. <laughs> <laughs> You've ruined that for people now. <laughs> But it's stupid it doesn't have like um like semen has it is it really just squirt? Well, would we not call it ejaculate? But it's not it's not ejaculate though, is it? Probably should have asked her this. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's one off. I'll do some follow up with. Vag spunk. <laughs> but <laughs> no, no. And <laughs> no? never say that again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, do you know what? Um speaking to people like Lola. I feel like if it wasn't for this podcast, I would have never have spoken to someone like her. And I'm so glad. It really does open my eyes. Oh, that makes me so happy. So now you're going to go and relay this all to Jan. <laughs> yeah? I, you know what? I might. I, I, I might. Though That milliliter chat, I, oh. I, I might. Maybe not. Maybe not. I can't wait. Next week, we'll have a catch up on how Laura's chat with her mum went about squirting. Oh, God. <laughs> God, sorry in advance, Jan. (laughs) Should we end the podcast? Just completely shut the whole thing down. (laughs) End our relationship. We can. (laughs) We should. Um, This brings us to the end of this episode of Cosmopolitans All The Way With. Thanks to Lola Jean for joining us and to you for listening. And if you have any sex questions or dating dilemmas, please message us on Twitter or Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK. Cosmopolitans All The Way With was recorded by Number 8 Studios remotely and is available to download on Acast, iTunes and all the usual podcast apps. See you next Sunday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.